Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be discussing topics from around the soccer world and giving you our unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by my buddy, one of my best friends in the game, Ray Gaddis. Uh, I hope you guys are ready because we got a lot to unpack. This week, we'll be discussing, uh, this week, we'll be reflecting on the 2020 soccer season during COVID, Rock Nation making moves in the soccer space, um, and more American investment in European clubs. Um, but first and foremost, Ray, thank you for joining us. I know it's off season for you. You've had a hell of a season, um, both on and off the field. Um, how you doing? I mean, I'm just excited to be here. I appreciate you and Elle, you know, having me on two cents, you know, some shameless bugs off the jump, you know, shout out to football yeah. athletes as y'all can see them work. Good looks, good looks. Also, JBL, you know, J-Lab for hooking up my podcast stuff. So, you know, everything's good. Shout out to LBF and Philly and the Corval brand. That's also. Nah, respect, man. That's love. So, for sure, for sure. So, the question we ask every guest that comes on the show uh, right off the back is when did you fall in love with soccer? Man, I was three years old, man. My dad, my dad, uh, he just recently started doing from uh, uh, transferring VHSs to like digital. Mm-hmm. And he got me on there, man, saying I was going to be a professional soccer player, all American. Obviously, the team I played for wasn't even out yet, Philadelphia Union. But man, when I was three, four years old, man, I, I played at this league called the Tabernacle. But once I seen the ball and I, I can't, I can move, I, I was with it. So. No, yo, so talk about that because obviously you from Indiana. Um, that's like basketball town, you know, basketball country. Uh, you know, being African American, uh, what's it like, you know? How how were you able to get into it? How how were you exposed to soccer? You know, uh it it really is due to uh, you know, my parents, you know. For example, you know, everybody's talking about LeVar Ball. You know, I'm I'm gonna shout out my dad too, because he was very present and he still is, man. My mom and my dad. You know, 30 plus years of marriage, but they really exposed me to a lot of different sports and they let me choose. You know, although Indianapolis is a basketball state or a city, uh, Indiana is a basketball state with the likes of Larry Bird. You know, I went to high school with Eric Gordon, who's on the Rockets. He was a great above me. You know, obviously Jeff Teague, Mike Conley, all these guys are from the greater Indianapolis area. So, right. I mean, for me, it was just more or less what my parents let me do what I wanted to do, not, not, not fit into the norm of, you know, what I saw around me. No, respect. And talk about that. You know, you mentioned a bunch of basketball players. What I like about you and what I like about, like, the Indiana community is, like, y'all all keep in close contact with each other. Like, every time we was on the road, you had some athlete that was connecting with you or, you know, you had to give them tickets to a game. Talk about your connection with Beasley and, like, what he's doing for Fort Wayne. I know that's close to you. It's not directly in your city. Um, but talk about that community that you've been able to build with the uh, fellow athletes. I mean, I, I just think it's remarkable, you know. Uh, that's something that's really good. Uh, self-empowerment is real, real, real big in Indianapolis and in, in Indiana. You know, when you see one of your own make it, you support them, and then you add to, you know, foundational piece. Everything goes hand in hand. When you can lend a helping hand, uh, it, it furthers and pushes, you know, like you were talking about DeMarcus Beasley uh, with the newly team uh, that just came into USL in Fort Wayne, you know, me and him have had various conversations. I'm extremely proud of him. But for me, I said, uh, the thing that I'm doing right now with DeMarcus is really picking his brain. How did he get into that space and what made him drive? 
uh, or want to make sure that soccer was relevant and prevalent uh, even in Fort Wayne. And he's just teaching me different investment tools, different people to reach out to. He's teaching me how to be savvy in spaces because a lot of time when you're a professional athlete, you don't really you don't really think about that. But I've been blessed to have people like you know behind the scenes or who who are a little bit older or people who are already doing business ventures outside of soccer. Yeah. Give me uh you know infinite knowledge about these type of things. No nah, respect, and you know you mentioned supporters. You just won supporter shield with Philly. Uh, first to ever do it. Uh, yeah, you used the long, you longest servant. I think you, you beat all the records, right? You beat BC in all the records. You got the only thing, the only record you're missing is like goals and assists, but who cares about that? You're a defender. So talk about, you know, uh, talk about winning that first and foremost, you know, after all the, you know, tri- trials and tribulations from previous Open Cups and, you know, playoffs and stuff like that. I mean, you, you were a former teammate of mine and, you you know what we've been through having having been in the big game so many times and you know just unfortunate with the result but finally doing it in my ninth year to actually lift some silverware I know the fans was extremely happy but it was like it it, it, it was a weight off the club's shoulders but also it gave us a taste that you know what you know the the union has now really started to uh, put their stamp on things or our style of play the culture you know more of an identity. I think that that's a big uh, testament to Coach Curtin, who's a Philly dude through and through, but also some of the additional pieces that they added there and uh, just having been there as a veteran player now, just really letting them know what Philly all about. If you don't play hard in Philly, they're going to boo you. you. Oh, that's crazy. You're going to hear them. So I think that a lot of the young players, they really got that that embedded in their mind, like, yo, I ain't trying to get booed. Like, I'm trying to sh- <laughs> get out here and show up and show out. And I think that's the mentality now, but – at the same time, uh, man, it's, it was exciting for Philly, especially in 2020 with everything going on. Yeah. There's pandemics going on. There, there's COVID-19, and then there's the form of racism, obviously. You know, people forget about that pandemic. Uh, everything that we've endured this year, I think it brought a sense of just, like, joy, you know, in the moment, you know, with everything going on. So it, it brought peace and, and joy to the city. No, nah, respect. And I think, like, this was the perfect year for you guys to win it because, like, everything you preached about, you know, being Philly tough, um, having that union, it speaks to, you know, the year that everyone's been through. And, you know, you guys showed out in tremendous ways. So talk about it, you know, going through those first couple years and then now like a formidable club, you know, people were making fun of, fun of us. And then now it's like, you know, Philly's the model that everyone has to follow. Jim Curtin, Chris Albright, uh, you know, the other staff, you know, they've been able to turn it around, but, the players as well, and you are one of the forefront members in doing that. I mean, it, it's like anything, you know. Uh, you got to pay your dues sometimes. You're not just gonna come in and, and and light it up, you know. Obviously, we always had good pieces at the Philadelphia Union, but it was just putting it all together. Mm-hmm. And I just think, like you know, the the mentality has has changed a lot, and uh, you know, give good testament to to Richie Graham, you know, who's built right. the academy. And now you're starting to see, uh, you know, like the likes of Dortmund, who's an academy team who brings up a lot of people through the ranks. You see that implemented kind of here on the state side. And, you know, you're watching these U.S. owners, you're watching these U.S. coaches really try to – a lot of different mechanisms go into place and people don't know about. Like sometimes it's about spending and you got to figure out how you can find quality players within your organization. And for us – you know, uh, our model has just simply been through the academy. We got a great young man 
uh, coming up by Mark McKenzie, who's come through the academy. And obviously we sold Brendan Arrington uh, this season and both of them in the national camp right now. And I'm just fortunate to know like, uh, you know, that's that's the way we're going, but we have quality in our academy. No, nah, respect. Yeah, Richard Graham, he's he's changed the game completely. And uh, and now he opened up his phone. So if he wants to, if he's listening and he wants to, you know, talk to us about some things, uh, our line is open. But more importantly, yo, I didn't even know Mark McKenzie was not left footed and he's been playing left center back the whole time. Like dude can ball like I, I, I like his game. And then obviously you got Aronson, who's also his little brother supposed to be nice, too. Um, you all got a good thing going out there. Oh, for sure, man. Mark, Mark McKenzie, people don't know. I say, like you touched on it, I think that's what's great about him, and that's only going to raise his stock. You know, he's a center back that had three goals, three assists, or or, or two goals, three assists. You know, he made MLS's back all-tournament team. He made uh, MLS's all-team uh, all, all of the year. Yeah, this dude, this dude is amazing, man, and he's somebody to look out for on the radar. And we got another young cat, Anthony Fontana, coming up. We call them the 302 boys. These guys are down from Delaware, man. They got some juice in them. Respect, respect. You are you serving as their agent too? Hey, I'm man. Have to talk, call you, call you. So uh, talk about the quote. You know, good things happen in Philadelphia. You know, you said that. You know, as you like post mic drop after the uh, celebration. Like, talk about that. You know, after everything that's gone on this year, uh, what that meant. Like, did you have that planned, or like it came to you? Uh, you know, from the Lord. Like, how did it all come about? I mean, I, I think it's a it's a tell of two stories uh, of why I said it. You know, to, to be truthful, uh, you know, after so long, who the the fans have seen <laughs> seen what the results have been, and finally to deliver. You know, it was like yeah, but then there were also some comments made about the Philadelphians uh, made uh, publicly by by somebody who, who's of importance about the city. So it was a counter as well. You know, we. Uh, if you can't read between the lines, this uh, person is the the chief uh, of the United States, you know. Uh, Out, outgoing chief. Outgoing, yeah, correction. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it was more of a remark back to him in a civil way, too. You know, you can't take uh, away my, my liberties and, and freedoms and my freedom of speech, as we have seen many people exercise there. So that was my opportunity. And I did it in a peaceful manner because, you know, all, always there's always sometimes a stigmatization. Uh, about African American people, or we don't know how to conduct ourselves. But you know, it, it was a play on words too. It was twofold meaning, you know, at yeah. the time. But it was like it came to me at the time, and I was just like, you know, what are we gonna say this too? And the people were receptive of it because I mean, everybody sees what's going on uh, just in society in general. But like I said, uh, good things happen on the football field too. The pitch. No, nah, respect. And that's why I rock with you heavy because you always think it two steps ahead of the game, you know, always, you know, move in and be like, what's Ray up to? How's he? No, you're never going to know, but um, it, it really is important. But you talked about the good things that happened in Philadelphia. You talked about the ways, you know, your team stepped up, you know, not only on the field, but off the field. Let's 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 unpack that because it's been a crazy year. You guys had to go to MLS bubble. Y'all was in Florida. It was during the time, you know, around a lot of the social injustice was at its highest moment. Talk about that first game back in the bubble when you guys all decided to come together, um, you know, and, you know, put action behind your words. You know, you guys did a number of things, not only, you know, catch all of ESPN off guard with what you guys did um, before the opening game, but also with, uh, you know, addressing some of the names. 
I know we talked offline about it, but if you would like to um, divulge in the process behind that. I mean, I mean, first I'm, I'm going to start with the, the Black Players for Change. Uh, you know, this is the first time, you know, I feel like in uh, any sport, uh, a collective of players, not just like one or two players, but our entirety of our whole league, inclu including coaches and including, it was crazy because like, you know, kick guys, you know, whether they were the athletic trainers, whether they were the GM, they were like, yo, we want to be a part of this. You know, this is something that historic. It had kind of caught wind. And, you know, shout out to Justin Morrow and, and uh, Ico Parr, CJ Sapong, Bill Hamid. I can go on about the, the guys within the group, Quincy, yeah. y, uh, you know, Jeremy and Bogusy. You know, I can go on Jalil Alibaba. But uh, for us to come 100 deep and more, you know, to send a statement that, you know, we're, we were one voice. And yeah. we are voicing our concern to basically MLS, but also the, the soccer community where uh, various uh, things happen also within this realm, you know. And we were addressing our, uh, our concern about what we were seeing in society. And it was just very, very, it was something that I always remember. But it, uh, it was like everybody was quiet. But at the same time, you could feel the aura that, that this was of importance more than anything, any soccer game, uh, any conversation that was going on. And they had to really recognize that uh, their counterparts, all the brothers in the league, you know, although they play with us every day, we go through things that other people don't go through. You know, I was telling Tell it. Tell you know, it. Yep, that's fact. Our teammates, like, you know, after games, these games get let out at 9 o'clock. You know, I got to worry about making it home. You know, you and and we had, and now I'm transitioning to the Philadelphia Union. We had a healthy dialogue where our coaching staff and our organization set it up where players were able to express their different uh, backgrounds and their different thinking about things. And we were letting them know, especially in some of the black players on the team, that, you know, your reality is not our reality. You know, let, let, let's talk about even like uh, getting, uh, being a technical director or a GM. You know, there's only two in the league. Let's talk about being a head coach. You know, the, a lot of opportunities sometimes don't present themselves as easy as it uh, does for a different demographic. You know, I'm mm -hmm. not a person of excuses, but but it's the reality because, you know, all this data has been put together about how come, you know, especially African-Americans or people of color, brown or black, are in these type of positions. But just, just letting them know, just like, you know, I've been pulled over before, you know, without cause. And my teammates were like, really? You know, some of them who don't look like me. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm simply simply traveling, simply just coming coming to and go, you know, for without cause. And they were just like able to hear us. I think that's what's helped us in our success this year, too, uh, with the Philadelphia Union, because people were able to break down cross-cultural barriers. People were able to have an open, open mind and open ears, well, more importantly, to hear what we had to say, especially on our team. And they were like, you know what? This is my team. I need to stick up for them, too, because – you know, in my opinion, nothing's going to get moved until other demographics really start to speak out about this, really start to put things in place to help protect us, whether it's laws and bills as well. Because even at the, the Senate, the local level, the governors, the mayors, these people don't look like us. So we're not in, the, in, in these various spaces to help change laws. And, but, but, but I think that, uh, especially in the soccer space, we really, really change the spectrum. Uh, the whole tidbit with, with ESPN, you know, this was something where Mark McKenzie, Warren Carvalho, myself, we came together 
uh, Mark McKenzie actually came up with this bit, One Name Too Many, because MLS had proposed that we write these, write something on these white strips. Uh-huh. And, and and when he came up with that, we was like, yo, that's 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 real because we started to do our homework. And then uh, we had various people uh, on our legal team. We had to, had to get a legal team involved where we made each player do their homework about the victims, about the case, because we didn't want misrepresentation because, you know, at the same time, uh, everybody's not a law-abiding citizen. And, and some people were just actually doing things uh, unprecedented things to, to, to get them in certain situations, you know, because uh, I always have to tell both sides of the story. But what we end up doing is we ended up selecting people who had lost their lives to, to police brutality. And we felt that in the wake of Jacob Blake, in the wake of, you know, George Floyd, this is something that's been going on even when, when we were younger, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with Trayvon Martin, you know, I can go on and on and on, but we just felt like, you know, instead of representing our names, this was the opportunity to represent those people because oftentimes, you know, for me, what came to me and our voice to the team, these names get lost in the shuffle and they get forgotten about because somebody else comes up. But, you know, uh, we wanted to make sure that their name still rang out and still was echoed because some of these families are still grieving. We actually got great responses from a lot of the families saying what you did kept my son or my daughter or my child in the still in the mix and we're still fighting for justice for this but by you doing this it really gave us new life it really gave us uh uh the means to continue to press on that really meant so much to me that somebody was thinking about them that they weren't forgotten about and that's some of the i had to write you know personal messages some to some of the families you know because sometimes people were like we don't know how this is going to be received and i said nah man you know for me being black african-american you know this is to you know, some people say there's no such thing as a voice for the voiceless. And I wrote this article for Howler, and that was what it was titled. When you're dead, you don't have no voice. So that was the sense of really echoing and and, and demonstrating in a way, hey, yo, th- this is getting out of control. It's been out of control. You know, and voicing our concern on the platform given to us by the Lord. But it, but it really meant a lot because it was a collective group of people from 13 different countries different creeds, different shapes, different colors, and it wasn't just the black players. So then really everybody was talking about it. We got, I can't read German. I can't read, you know, various languages. Yeah. People are talking about it. It was in tabloids all over the world, what we did, you know, and and, and people are taking notice. So the, the message really rang out uh, on a greater scale than we, what we ever thought it would. No, nah, that's amazing stuff. And it's, it just speaks to the moment of people coming together. When you make a fist and come together, it's easy, easier than people like coming in one by one, doing in, everything individual. So for you guys to use your platform sports as a as a way to, you know, like you said, get the voiceless heard. Uh, like when I saw it, I was like, I definitely know Ray Warren. I didn't know Mark. That boy is smart. Uh, y'all came together and led that led that initiative. So it was really amazing because you could tell when it when it was live, people was like, "Wait, huh? Whose name is that? Wait, hold up! Now I gotta go on Google." Like, it was it was really amazing for you guys to do that, and um, and it's, that's not that like that wasn't just it wasn't a one off. You guys continued, you guys continued to push, and you guys were one of the few teams that backed backed up your words. You know, not only with that initiative, but you guys turned. Uh, I don't even know the name of your guys' park now, Subaru. I'm just gonna keep calling it PPL. But you guys turned it into a polling place. So talk about that. I know you guys had to uh, jump over some hoops for that. 
Yeah, uh, one thing, you know, with the assistance uh, of, a, of a young lady, uh, Angela Lachiga, you know, she's a, she's a, she's out on the West Coast. She really assisted me, you know, uh, Lachiga Sports, look her up. But uh, she really helped, helped me navigate a lot of different things uh, with the player coalition, especially in the NFL, even though we're in the players, uh, Black Players for Change at MLS. But, you know, reaching out to various people in different spaces and high spaces, you know, my intent was uh, to take a letter uh, to our ownership. Uh, to open up a space, you know, with COVID shut down, like you were talking about, always thinking in advance, there was ample parking at these stadiums since fans haven't been there. Uh, the kiosk or the open space for the stadium, there's more than enough uh, uh, voting stations to go around where it's spaced out with social distancing. You know, you got to cover your your, your bases on, uh, or your side on every basis, you know. And, uh, you know, Pennsylvania was a swing state. And mm-hmm. to use our stadium, something that's so visible in the community, something so something that's so large in Cebu Park, you know, uh, just w- with the backing of uh, Alejandro Bedoya getting behind it, Carson Wentz getting behind it, you know, McClutch from from the Phillies, you know, these these guys plus legislation, uh, it, it held a little bit more weight when submitting a letter to try to get uh, the county to to open up the stadium, and they did, and uh, it was a safe. Uh, a safe place to, to vote. And so many people said how seamless it was. It was a great turnout. And, you know, uh, you know, I just thank the Lord for the wisdom and uh, for him to open up so many doors, man, because, uh, you know, obviously there was a counter that, you know, this shouldn't be a valid place to vote by, by uh, a certain party uh, to try to block it. But, you know, God is smarter and smarter than we are. This, this polling place is, it was able for everybody to vote. So it was bipartisan. You know, just a certain demographic voted there more than other other people and people who were supporting one candidate over the other just so happened to vote uh, more there. So they really, the, the judge ruled in our favor and he really couldn't say anything because we weren't lobbying for a particular party, which was strategic. We were just opening, merely opening up the stadium. And, and most stadiums are in uh, urban areas. I mean, you, you talk about finances and everything. You know, owners are smart too. Where they can get the land cheap, they're gonna build a they're gonna build a stadium. Uh, you know, who would have thought for beforehand, you know, that it would be in a black community uh, at this time? So, no respect. And um, you guys were not, if not one of the, the only team in MLS that did that, correct? Uh, maybe LAFC. Uh, okay. You know, they got Magic Johnson as the owner. You know, LeBron's out there. He's pushing weight. I know the Dodgers uh, stadium opened up as well, but uh, that that's what LAFC is about. It's about a collective, a group of people. Uh, so I, I believe us, LAFC, I don't know if Houston uh, finalized there, but those were the only two teams, but maybe LAFC. Yeah, so, I mean, it just speaks to, you know, you guys going above and beyond and not just – and no disrespect to any other team that didn't do it, but – beyond wearing a shirt you know so that's what i'm about you know people providing solutions people providing action and like you guys said it was open for everyone you know it wasn't just the particular like you you can only vote here if you're coming to a subaru park to vote it was open for everyone um giving people that that space to have their voices heard um it's just really important and i'm excited to see your guys's continued efforts for you know black players for change and all the other things that you got in the works man it's going to be it's going to be Amazing. Mention the name of the, the lady that helped helped you again. Angela Chica. All right. We're going to have to have that in the show notes for sure, for sure. Yeah, man. Shout out to our owners too, man, because they were very understanding. 
you know, people don't know this, but, you know, Kevin Durant, too, is, is a minority owner now. But, uh, you know, I ain't going to drop too many owners' names on here, but my owner did did a great job, man, of just having, a like I said, an opening ear and really seeing the importance of this, too. Uh, the one the one I would really drop is Jay Sugarman. He's been there since I've yeah. been the majority owner. Bright, bright, bright dude, but he, he understood everything that was going on, and he was very supportive in all the efforts uh, through and through. Uh, but with, with Kevin Durant being an additional owner now on the club, I mean, it holds a lot of weight, too. Uh, and and, and it gives a lot of people uh, aspirations that they, they can be owners. We'll get into another segment a little bit later about what people are doing in different spaces. But, you know, let's, let's talk about Russell Wilson, Seattle's owner. Let's talk about uh, James Harden, Houston's owner. Let's talk about Kevin Durant, now our owner of Philadelphia Union. Uh and, and I can go on. It's been a couple of people that's been trying to buy into things now. Shaquille O'Neal's Sacramento now. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at these cats, man. You're like, yo, with the right right movement, you you can be here too. So you trying to join our fund, Two Cents uh, Sports Fund? We trying to get a team too out here, man. Hey, man, let, let's chop it up after this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure, man. Your nickname is Preacher Ray. I feel like I'm the one that gave it to you. I'm going to come out and say it. Uh, when you we used to do the pregame speeches, we remember we used to do like we had a like really crazy routine, and then we you know uh, then you led us in prayer, and I you know I just started calling you Preacher Ray. I'm sure someone's called you before, but I'm claiming it. I put the patent on it. That's then. How has your faith played a role in your career and your life? Because I know it's a big in your in your everyday. You know, for me, I'm glad you brought this up, man. Uh, it's really kept me grounded. You know, sometimes, you know, when people can get into various spaces, they kind of like lose themselves and they try to be something that they're not. But the Lord has always humbled me. You know, I can never forget the Lord, you know, starting off in Philadelphia and where he's brought me from. Mighty long way. Like you said, the longest tenure player, you know, it's a scripture in Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. By Jesus Christ, but. You know, it's been a foundational piece. You know, I feel like I've been a foundational piece, not because of my talents, but because merely the Lord allowed me to be uh, stable and, and anchored here in C-Minute. But, you know, I think it's gone a long way because now we have a lead wide. Uh, we have what's called MLS Connect, uh, which is a, a lead wide chapel. So we get on every Tuesday at the beginning, beginning of the month. And you should see in Spanish, you should see people who speak Portuguese, who speak various languages across the league. There are a lot of a lot of people, you know, sometimes they're scared to profess their faith. But now we create this safe space where it's a lot of dudes actually joining on. They need to pick me up from the Lord. So Bible study, all the chaplains across the league. When I first came in the league, it was only like Columbus, Kansas City, that had chaplains. Now every team has them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm I, I'm very proud about creating that organization, MLS Connect. But, you know, it's been a, it's been a vital part. You see so many of my teammates now pregame. It was only a couple of us. It's almost 10 to 12 guys, even at the MLS back tournament. Everybody, other teams are coming to pray. You see it a lot in NFL. With yeah, after the game when they come in, right? Right. And now after every game, cats know, like, oh, when we play in Philly, we know we get in the prayer, you know whether it's FC Cincinnati, whether it's New England, whether it's LAFC, you know, guys know like, okay, we're going we gonna to bring it together and I can be in a safe space without hear, maybe hearing my coach. Like, you know, when it's a collective group of dudes, everybody feels a lot a lot comfortable. But the Lord has blessed me so much, man, to be, to be the leader in minutes, the leader in starts, leader in appearances. You know, I just can't thank him enough. 
you know, like I said, just really, really giving me stability and being in one market my whole career too, man. A lot of cats bounce around and sometimes you do it for, for, for the betterment. You know, you get a new contract, you move on. But, you know, uh, I just thank the Lord, man. He's been so good to me. No, respect. Yeah, man. Because even t- moments when, when, you know, they was trying to shift out and like mess with you, you play left back, you play right back. Oh, y'all want to swim here? I play left back again. And you stay true, and you, you're getting rewarded for it. So uh, I'll be there for your uh, your statue ceremony. You just make sure I get the invite. Um, uh, you got it, man. And then what was what's great about the MLS Connect is that it's open to all faiths. Like you guys are open to anyone and everyone. You know, give them that safe space to, you know, share their hearts, share their moment, and you know, profess their faith. I think it's important. You know, from 2010 when you came in, it wasn't like that, and then now, um, it's it's a, it's a lot better. For sure, for sure, and it's even it's even start to uh, trickle down to USL, where I know our our USL team, uh, even though that they they left the USL now, but teams are saying, hey, we want to meet too. So it's it, it man, it's been good, man. God God is good, man. Yeah. So I mean, changing segue in a little bit. I know you get this question a lot, um, even though you haven't scored, but when you do score, uh, you're gonna get this. Uh, what does dupe mean? And L tried to ask me because I used to play for Philly. I'm like, that was a long time ago. You gotta ask. You gotta ask the the veteran. So what's the I mean, what's it mean? I mean, dude, dude really came from. Uh, uh, I know that some of the hockey team, uh, the Flyers use it as well. But it, it's almost like the word John. If you're from Philly, like it can be substituted for a lot of things. It's it's literally any and everything. It's like you're excited. You know, it's like you're overjoyed. You know, it's more of a celebra- uh, celebration word. Uh, that's how I put it. You know, when you hear Duke, you know you winning. You know, <laughs> you know something just great just happened. That that's the easiest way to put it. So, uh, that's that's basically what Duke is, or some summary of what Duke is. Did you okay, just compare so- Duke to John? Like, yo, that John crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so it's like it's, it's more it's more of an expression then, right? Yeah, for okay. sure. Like, man, we just do, we just do, we just do on Red Bull. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you see okay. people try to use it as sins, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what they try to do. But it, it's more of a, uh, I guess, a noun, you know what I mean? So that's how they try to do our adverb, you know? But yeah. yeah, I try to mix the two because that's like one of the questions now on like trivia. Like, what does John mean? Especially when new players come, come to the team. <laughs> so. That's hilarious. Yes, yeah, that's that's a. I mean, that's the best description you could put. I mean, I know it came from a song in Germany when yeah. like, the first coach, uh, Peter Nowak, uh, was first uh, with Philly, and then with Philly, you know, Philly culture, they always spin it, and now it's it's its own John version of Duke, you know. So for sure, that's cool. But that's uh, Ray, good looks, man. L, what you got? All right, man. So let's jump into these topics. Um, I know it's been an unusual season for both of you. You know, Ray on the MLS side, Amobi on the USL side um, with, you know, COVID, start, stops, bubbles, compressed schedules, everything. So I just wanted to kind of give you guys a moment to kind of reflect on the season. Um, talk about, you know, your experience being in this situation, trying to play during a pandemic. You know, that's something that's not nobody's nobody has experienced that. Right. So um, Amobi, I'll start with you from like a USL perspective, like. Kind of give us your reflection on 2020. Yeah, it was real interesting, you know. First and foremost, you know, he's just thankful for the staff, you know, the medical staff, you know, trainers, doctors, um, even the interns that were volunteering their time and their safety to make sure, you know, the performance on the field was 
you know, up to par. So, um, you know, the health was the most important. No one, we had a couple cases on the squad, but no one, you know, was seriously affected. So that was the most important part, but yeah, it was wild. We, we had a regionalized schedule. We had to follow protocol. Um, it was very unique in the sense of, especially with USL, a lot of teams suffered from a financial standpoint. Um, so how were they, or how were we able to adjust, um, our, our play on the field was good. It could have been better, but you know, with guys worrying about their families, some of them sat, stayed back. Some of them decided to take the year off. Um, you guys, guys, you know, running extra in the sense of playing more games that they're used to, um, tearing hamstrings, you know, ankles, you know, muscles, muscle injuries. Uh, it was tough, but you got through it and, you know, you got to roll with the punches. So, um, blessed they're still here, you know, blessed and, uh, thankful. So that's, that's really all I have. For, for me, I mean, just to, just to piggyback off of what Moby said, it was a, it was an interesting season. I mean, I think that your schedule, your normal routine or schedule, uh, was changed, you know, going in and getting tested. Then after a game, you're getting tested again. And right. Did y'all do the nose or the throat? Man, we did, we, we did a blood, we did a throat, we did a, a nasal. You know, we did we did a lot of them because it was a different uh, case by case, especially, yeah. you know, when there were what was an outbreak. You you go into MLS's back tournament, you're seeing two teams be disqualified essentially just because of the COVID cases, you know, and them actually being in the same vicinity uh, or, or it actually started in there, but not knowing that you even had COVID until you come to Florida. Yeah. So it's kind of like you, you don't really know a lot about the virus. You don't really still know how you contract it. You know, you could be anywhere and get it. You know, I tell that to people because I've had relatives who are no longer here who have suffered from COVID. So I always, I'll always stress, uh, you know, wear your protective equipment, wash your hands, you know what I mean? Sanitize yeah. your hands. But it's just different, man. It's a different it, – how you interact with people is different. Yeah. Like that the first couple games when you're playing against teammates, you know, the other team, you know, you don't you ain't talking as much. You know, you're keeping your mouth closed, you know, stuff that you would normally – you wouldn't think about doing. Yeah. You know, it's just different. Even like dapping up people like Moby was saying at the game. We're no dapping up nobody's team. Like, all right, good game. Like, I see you. All right, like, you hit, me, hit me offline, you know? Yeah. And it, it just everything's different, you know? Even from a youth soccer standpoint, we, we're watching you know, kids now and even we're having to wear masks in training. You know, it's different wearing a mask everywhere, you know. Uh, I think I think those adjustments, you know, like what Moby said, you know, shout out to everybody involved. Uh, not just in MLS, but in, in various sectors who are trying to do the right thing and protect people in these environments, especially in the sports arena. Uh, just because you have so much exposure with still traveling. And, and like Amobi said, it was different being away from your family for almost 40 days. You know, the more we won, the more you were away. I mean, it, it was like a, a, a win-win, but a lose-lose at the same time because uh, you want to win the games as a competitor. But you know, you some of the players just had newborn, newborn children on our team. You know, it was tough for them, especially some of the spouses. You know, not speaking English, right. and not knowing how to do certain things. You know, and and them being the one who do has was doing a lot of stuff at first. So it just was a different season, man, all all together. And then, like like Moby said, if somebody tested positive, everything was on shutdown. You couldn't do nothing within your team. You couldn't move. Right. You know, I remember, you know. These, these these false negative tests, somebody may have had it. It was literally like, yo, only time you can come out 
it, when we played, I, I was telling my parents, it's like, it, yo, it's like yard time. Like, that was our yard time. We eat a meal and we back in our room. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I don't really? care about nobody. You yeah. know, it wasn't it wasn't bad, but that's what, literally what the comparison was. So, now nah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We had to do Zoom workouts when we had a couple of cases, and it's like, all right, and y'all want us to play a game now? Like, we ain't, we ain't really been on the field. So, like, how was it like playing with no like no fans and no like none of that? You know, uh, it actually it actually was it was all right, man. I think I think some some stadiums need to get get better with their synthetic noise. You know, I think uh, I just did my uh, master's degree in integrated marketing communication. The league really found different ways to to simulate a real environment as much as possible until certain counties issue, you know, a certain percentage in certain stadiums. Yeah. Some of the synthetic noise was all right. Some of it was horrible. It was, like, kind of annoying. But at the same time, you know, like, if, if we was playing Seattle, we was playing in Atlanta, I can hear what, what I'm saying uh, as in past, like, if I'm talking to y'all, L and Moby, like, yo, what's good? You wouldn't be able to hear me in these stadiums. So right. it, it was a benefit for some teams. And then, you know, you, you realize how big the fans are or how much they really do play a part in, in an instance as well for certain teams. Uh, but also at the same time, it was it was weird. You know, you're going out there, you know, uh, not only not playing with fans, but playing at different times that we never played before. You playing a 9 a.m. game. <laughs> that's a that's a youth tournament on the weekends. You, you playing a 12 p.m. game. You playing 11 p.m. game, and you like yo like this ain't my normal time of playing because your body has already had a routine of doing those things. I think that was more weird than not necessarily having the fan component, but just playing at odd times, man. Like yeah. you, you playing you playing at four PM on a Tuesday afternoon or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. different. So Yeah. That's a good can you, uh I know you touched on it a little bit earlier, but can you talk about like life in the bubble? Like what's it like? Cause I know there was like a, a Twitter account that came out when the bubble first started, kind of just showing like all the horror stories. So can you kind of like give us give burner, us an huh? idea? <laughs> Nah, it wasn't my burner, you know. I don't, I don't tweet, I don't tweet too much unless uh, it's about something that the Lord put on my heart. But you know, I think it's it's all subject to to every team. Like, you know, when you get down there, man, like you don't know what to expect. Like I said, everybody was on edge. You know, some teams got there sooner than than than, than later, and you know, I don't know what was happening in them first days. Of course, I saw those burner accounts too. I saw some of the food that was being ate at the beginning. But you know that wasn't that wasn't our experience. You know, I, I got a shout out to, to my team. My, I mean, they did everything that they were supposed to do, and I I was talking to some dudes at the same time. Like, no, oh, this ain't it. You know, that's that's the attitude they had. This ain't it. But you know, it was, it was more subject on. You know, like for me, it was more about a mindset. You know, when you get down there, it was this is what it is. Everybody signed up for this. When we had our agreement, the CBA and the league. You know what this was before you got into it. So, like, for me, I'm, like, a little bit indifferent. Like, this is what you, you signed up for this yeah. to get this check. So, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, it, it was, though. But it was just very awkward. Like I said, more or less, like, when, when you seen a team uh, at the beginning, we was the only team in our, like, section of, of the hotel. So, we didn't have to worry about nobody because we got there a little bit earlier. Then some of the teams start trickling in. Then you start seeing, like, if this if team A was in the elevator, you wouldn't even get in the elevator with them, period. Like, <laughs> it was really on some real, like everybody was like, nah. And then like you would wait two like elevator trips before you even got on the elevator. You know, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit, but people were very anti, you know what I mean? Like 
not touching buttons. I beat it. They'll take the long way around a whole bunch of people, like a lot of yelling. Like if I saw my boy Nagby, yo Nagby, you know, I said 30 yards away. I give you the head nod, you know. I think <laughs> it was like a running joke. Black people have been ahead of the game with all this, no touching. It was a lot of a lot of head nodding and you know. The, the new shake was, I put my right foot out, you put your right foot out. That was like the dap, like, yo, it's good, right? <laughs> we was finding different ways to communicate, but, you know, it was just, it just was different. I think I think what was tough was seeing the same environment, so regardless of who you was, every day, every day, waking up. See, and then it's cool to see, like, it was like a big AAU tournament, but it was, after a while, you're like, yo, I seen this cat yesterday, and I don't want to see this cat again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for I think that was the toughest thing, really. What about from a recreational standpoint? I know you mentioned like yard time, right? And like comparing you guys' bubble to the, like the NBA bubble, and it seemed like it was a lot more luxurious over there. Like they had attractions and stuff to do and stuff like that. Like, did you all have any of that on your side? We did, we did, but like at the same time, like you, you just don't want to touch it. I think, I think theirs was more advertised and publicized. Like we we had like cornhole, we had big, we had soccer, golf, like or soccer pool, uh, where you where you hit the eight balls in and you hit all the ball. I mean, we had we had a lot of stuff, but it just wasn't like one nobody really trying to take no chances like from our standpoint. And I just think like you know, obviously, like I said, with, with two teams coming in with COVID, I think it was a little bit different for us, you know. Uh, we every night they had like big blow ups where you could do like movie night. You can literally watch them from your room. Like all the all the amenities were were there. Uh, every floor, at least for our team, we had our own floor. We had a whole room designated to like. We actually had like uh, centipede, like uh, the arcade, the big arcade games. We had everything in there. We got a lot of young cats on our team, so you know they weren't doing nothing but playing Call of Duty and and FIFA. So like, all the amenities was there. I just don't think that like the interactive like. Like you see more interaction among teams there, and you see articles like Players Tribune and whatever, and they talking about seeing their boy like that. It just wasn't like that over in our bubble. I think everybody was it was, and I think that's what's helped MLS do a lot better than other leagues as well with uh, the whole COVID cases. Like you see NFL, like we get it, you might want to be a boy or whatever, but they did a good job. Every team did a good job of really being like, nah, just stay with your group, stay with your tribe. You know, yeah. like some camp counselor stuff like <laughs> you stay with them. Don't don't deviate. That's hilarious. So y'all 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 didn't have no wine clubs, no barbershops, and anything like that. I mean, the barbershop, whoever can cut, <laughs> whoever can cut, whoever can cut. And then you saw you saw you saw some cats. Bro, I'm trying to say it might have been the 70s or 80s out there. You seen so many brothers with froze, <laughs> mind trim ups. You know what I mean? It was real authentic. Like yeah. bro, I ain't let nobody cut my hair. I seen what you did the so and so. I ain't, I ain't even with it. I'll wait till I get home and when, yeah. when they open this up. I'll be patient. Yeah, I'll be patient because you saw some you saw some cats get butchered too. That okay. <laughs> Now, now, you know, nobody can run looking like that. Man, they right. should have had Jaleel out there chopping him. He, he, he was. Yeah, out he was, but he was on the team that got. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, I forgot so about we are, that. We know. We know who can cut. But, yeah. but a lot of the people who could cut would have to get quarantined. So <laughs> it was like, nah. I forgot Nashville couldn't make it up. Oh, that's funny. All right, so let's switch gears up a little bit. Let's talk about. Um, the culture, talk about Rock rock Nation, um, Jay-Z. You know, you mentioned uh, right earlier, you know, all of these all of these black, like, athletes becoming owners and teams. 
um, buying in, you know, buying in ownership stakes, stuff like, stuff like that. So really bringing the culture into the sport of soccer. And one thing that uh, Rock Nation has been doing, if, if you guys aren't familiar, Rock Nation is owned by Jay-Z. Um, they've been making a lot of moves in the soccer space. So through Rock Nation Sports, they've been signing a lot of the top um, players over in Europe. They got Lukaku. They got Kevin De Bruyne. They have uh, Marcus Rashford. Um, a lot of a lot of dudes um, on that side. A lot of high profile players on their on the agency roster. They've also begun to do strategic partnerships with various teams, um, kind of integrating that culture and using that brand cachet to expand the game in new markets. So earlier this year, they announced a partnership with AC Milan, and recently um, they announced a collaboration between uh, AC Milan and the Paper Planes clothing brand, which is kind of a sub brand, a sub lifestyle brand of Rock Nation. Um, then also they replicated that partnership with Leeds United to help market the brand in the United States. So I wanted to get you guys thoughts on, you know, Jay's moves, what, what he's kind of what he's doing with the beautiful game through rock nation. Um, and do you think, uh, what he's doing from a marketing standpoint can help make, make the game a little bit more mainstream here in the States? Uh, I'll go. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think, um, it would be more beneficial if they want to grow it in the States to partner with like an MLS squad um, or, you know, some American-based clubs. But obviously um, there's still more money in European soccer. So Leeds, AC Milan, um, they have more global impact. But um, what they're doing, you know, combining culture and soccer together, that's what it's all about. Um, that's what's been iconic over the years, um, as long as I've been alive in terms of what's captured my mind from a soccer standpoint whether it goes back to, you know, the Nigeria jerseys or Ronaldinho and Jogo Benito, you know, the Cristiano Messi rivalry, the, the retro throwback jerseys, um, you know, obviously FIFA have, having a role, um, music as well. Um, this all helps grow the game. And I think Rock Nation can definitely do that. Yeah, for, for me, I think I think it's uh, very vital. And like I told you, I, I did uh, my master's in integrated marketing communication. From from a standpoint, from what Jay Z is already doing, you gotta you gotta look out some of the dots that he's connecting, right? So Milan is a fashion capital of the world. Number one, it grows his brand hand over hand. You know, people who don't know about paper planes now they know about it in Europe. They know who Jay Z is as a mogul, but now that they associate the brand with the mogul. Said so not only that, when you begin to 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 leverage the players that you mentioned, even like uh, one of the original players was Bolte from Bayern Munich. You know, when you begin to have people who have a resume, who have influence in these soccer spaces, uh, they begin to be your mouthpieces for you, and they begin to be the walking, marking moguls uh, for your brand in general. You know, uh, I definitely think that there's going to be a space for. Uh, if, if Rock Nation wants to buy a team in, in the U.S., but it's a, about the, the the climate and or uh, the team that they pick, you know, I think he's very strategic in his partnerships, and I think uh, part of the reason why he he's doing these partnerships in Europe right now is because soccer is already a proven model of making money in Europe. You know, mm -hmm. not necessarily so much in the U.S. first, and he's just building. And, and two, he's just building. Uh, a Rolodex of, of people who he can have and that's already implemented it in these spaces. And then when they come to, to the U.S. and when he eventually does it, let's say he eventually does it, 
he's going to hit the ground running. Now it's not so much of a project. He already knows X, Y, and Z. He already knows how to build the brand. He already knows how to do that. As you were talking about this, uh, you see various actors too. Uh, I'm blanking his name. Uh, dude just bought... Uh, the team in, uh, in uh, Wales, right? Uh, what's the name? Yeah. You say Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, Deadpool. We're going to call him Deadpool right now. Yeah. But, uh, Ryan Reynolds? Is that yeah, I think that might yeah, yeah. is. Uh, and, yeah. and you're seeing even, even other people in these spaces are doing it uh, in Europe and taking sitcoms and building and associating their names with teams. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, you know, to do spinoffs in, in different ways from this. But like I said, the, the market and what wherever Rock Nation chooses to buy into is going to be vital too in America. But uh, soccer is the fastest growing sport in America. So right now he's watching it boom. And we were talking about culture earlier. You see teams like, uh, you see teams like ATL. You see teams like LAFC. You see even teams like us. Different people that they use in various spaces, like Freeway. Freeway has association with, with, with Rock Nation. He's he's using all our advertisement for our pump up. He he's on all of our messaging essentially. You look at ATL and LAFC, like I mentioned, even LA Galaxy trying to use Miguel. These people, these influencers. As soon as you get in the right market, man, number one, you expand also the audience and, and an audience that needs to be there, people who look like us. And I said, Jay-Z, you think it's strategic that he he worked hand-in-hand with the NFL? He's just testing the climate of what he can do later on for any other business venture uh, in the NBA. And he's already had his hand in the NBA, being an owner, essentially, as well. No, I respect. Yeah. I think it's perfect timing as 2026 comes around and the World Cup comes here. Exactly. Yeah, he's lining it up. Strategic moves. I see it for sure. And, and or uh, 2026. I said this. This is the first time that you may even see some type of halftime performance. You think he's getting a feel from NFL? I said if if it is in in the U.S., you know what I mean. They win the bid. Mm-hmm. And I said this is the first time that you may see a full on uh, week in week out performance at the various stadiums. Uh, and because Coachella, uh, his platform, uh, title is the only ti- only platform right now that allows you to even view live concerts, but you can pay for it like you're there. So they can mm-hmm. add this to the experience for fans for the World Cup if he if he uh, gets his hand on something like that. Yeah, you sound like you already um, might know some things. I know you've been yeah. doing some things. Tap in, man. I, I know you've been doing some things behind the scenes <laughs> in the uh, in a couple of New York offices. You want to talk about that? Where yeah, 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 man. Right, right now, I'm currently uh, uh, doing a marketing internship within the club. You know, I thought it was very smart. You know, at this time, you know, a lot of places you could you couldn't move like you wanted to just because of COVID. But you know, this is the right opportunity. The Lord presented where I learned actually a lot. There's one thing to do a degree, but actually doing editing, actually doing med- uh, uh, messaging, actually doing PR, and doing uh, what they call kind of like a a preliminary doc, you know, already have things in the wind before they're even published. Me- meeting and reaching out to people for different uh, ads, you know, I think it's essential. But in the past, I've gotten the likes to, to do things at Bleachers Report uh, on their social media side and, and just teach different uh, people how to strategize and build their brand from that. You know, I mean, that was that was a remarkable feat in itself. And I've gotten to do things with Mitchell and Ness. 
uh, the sporting goods company. I mean, a lot you see a lot of rappers from back in the day. A lot of yeah. sports moguls uh, wear the authentic jerseys, but just doing stuff with Spotify and and helping them market uh, and connect the dots with MLS. So uh, just building strategy. But uh, I mean, it, it's been it's been good. I mean, I've learned how to build a lot of events. Like uh, we were touching on the fake component. Essentially, we now have a, uh, two nights out of the year, and we were going to expand it to four nights where there's an audience of level of engagement where fans want to have faith and family night after the game. So after the game, there's a prayer, there's a sermon. Uh, we talk about uh, different things that are thrown at you and how you handle it in your faith, but you learn how to build out various programming as well. But that's all come from a collective uh, uh, a collective. Uh, what do you want to call it? Intelligence gathered from, from working in these various spaces. You know, you got to be proactive instead of reactive because you all, I was always told you're one injury away, you're one, you're, you're one cut away from the team, then what? You know, you always yeah. got to have some type of resume to get going. And I've just been blessed to play the career that I had, but I said God's allotted me to have these various experiences as well. No, respect. And uh, I want to add an experience because I, I got mad when they did it. And it's no disrespect to anyone in the organization, but uh your harvard experience the crossover to business program there's been three players um from the philadelphia union family that have gone to do it uh we only heard about one of them um talk about your experience there um you were one of the first ones to do it how was that what did you learn and uh yeah that's it well f- well first and foremost like well i was talking about empowerment right you know uh, a moby actually put me on to it and he did it. And sometimes, you know, like resources and opportunities aren't allotted to you, you know, so you got to give credit what credit's due. My experience was phenomenal because I actually had a head coach who allowed me to actually go uh, during the season and or I was able to attend live actual uh, classes. Uh, my experience was also tough at the same time because it pushed me outside my box to really think at uh, think about different things or, or projects that I may have to handle from different points of views of people who are different sectors of, of business. Um, you know, I think my my professor, our professor, Anita, was really impressed. Yeah, and, Professor Anita. Yeah, shout out to her. You know, she's 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 a woman of many uh, uh, resources, but at the same time, uh, the experience also opened up uh, like a, a door of many different avenues and connections that I may not have had. Like I said, I want to thank Omobi for even telling me about that. You know, sometimes people want to advertise what they want to advertise, but I actually had to have the full experience, be there on campus, attend extra classes, even after uh, the the whole preliminary week there. And it was encouraged, you know, because I was in such close proximity. You know, it it was amazing. It was an amazing opportunity. I I learned so much, my cohorts, but also, the people, my advisors, the the actual students who were graduating, they had so much knowledge, man. And they just really blessed me. Like, you know, maybe you should think about this when you're constructing your next contract. Maybe you should look into investing into this portfolio. Hey, I'm going to connect you with so-and-so here in your city. Maybe you can do a, a giveaway with them. But it, it's just an ongoing conversation. I've never closed those doors since I went to, to Harvard Business School. So it was I amazing. Respect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, you should, I pick you your shared so many times with me too, so my respect. Yeah. Go ahead, Elmo. I want to I want to pick your marketing brain a little bit more. Um so the various marketing people that we have on the show, we always ask a question like how would you raise the profile of the game in this country? Like so what, what, what I usually say USL or uh or Nisa, but since you're in the MLS, how how would you grow MLS's profile 
in the country? Uh, I think I think number one, uh, just various messages to start off. You know, obviously MLS knows uh, who their audience is, who their who their target audience is, but to to really expand the growth uh, to the likes of an NBA or NFL, they're gonna have to do some stuff that's outside of the box. You know, we were just touching touching on this Jay Z component. Sometimes they do things that's going to be safe and that's still going to be marketable uh, and tangible for them to see a new uh, growth in audience. Uh, but number one, uh, streaming is right around the corner. Uh, how can they stream game with so many people not buying cable anymore, even though that they've done these major deals with the ESPN, did this deal with uh, Univision, Telemundo? How can they start uh, tapping into the streaming uh, component uh, for visibility purposes, number one? Uh, not only in MLS, but USL too. Uh, as you can see, like uh, LAFC is sponsored by YouTube. So they, they already starting to create their own channel. So they're gonna, they, they can bypass MLS, but even though MLS is a single entity, they really can't do it. But in the future, uh, future if a team does a deal before entering the MLS, that's, that may be one way to bypass all of that. So streaming is, is number one for visibility, but also gain a new audience. You know, I'm, I'm 30, you know, we, went, we didn't grow up on the streaming, but this new wave of people, they watch everything on their phones. They're watching, there's a subscription for everything. So that's the first thing. The, sec the second thing also uh, is being able to identify what works for your market. Like I said, like uh, for us, I think it would be smart for them to, to leverage a Kevin Hart, a Will Smith, identify, put them in that reign, you know, start, start giving them people uh, who are visible, not just in certain demographics or communities or circles, but nationally uh, known, who actually want to represent and actually want to put on for their cities. You know, if they could reach them, uh, I think that would be remarkable to show that soccer is diverse. Soccer is for everybody. They always have a lot of messaging, soccer for all, but you only see it from, from a black person standpoint, you only see it one way. You don't see, you don't see, you may see it in the Spanish bilingual language that way, but uh, how many people can you get involved? Like, I, I love what Miami's doing. Like, can you get a Ricky Martin down there? Can you get a J-Lo down there? Can you get an Alex Rodriguez? Get these cats involved, you know? Uh, that's second. Getting getting a well-known name uh, that the homes know, that the communities know, get them more involved and allow them to be the face of MLS as well. Let them push them. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Let them push the marketing itself. For, for if a Moby's got a hundred thousand followers and I got a hundred thousand followers and we both are saying the same thing, then that's two hundred thousand people who may spread the message. And you're doing you're getting free advertising without even spending money. And then uh, a third component in marketing is uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, when you start uh, diversifying your portfolio at the top level, you start making it acceptable for everybody, and then they start feeling more comfortable. Not just not just from a soccer standpoint, but in the office space as well, because now you're getting various thoughts. You're getting various, uh, what I call, you're getting to see things through different people's lenses that you may not have seen. You know, we know who the commissioners are. We know what people look like who are in the front office, but they may be missing the mark essentially because they don't see it like other people do, or they don't hear the conversations that are in the Haitian community, in the Portuguese community. You know, especially with so many diverse cities now. You look at Texas, Austin's here. How are you going to market to that that demographic down there? You can't mm -hmm. you can't keep the same messaging. Miami's here. You know that's a that's a big uh, twirling pot of people. You know New York has always been New York. You know they got different collections. How are you intriguing the, the Jamaican Jamaican American population? How are you bringing these different demographics in? 
So uh, from that standpoint, from the marketing, advertise that you you have different demographics that are starting to work for you that can reach out, that can touch these different places as well to grow your brand. So those are those are a couple. And then it's always exciting. The last point, you need another Freddie Adu. Uh, something that's going to set well with, even if he's here for a short time, somebody who's going to set it on fire. Americans identify with Americans, especially in, in Major League Soccer. Even though uh, it's the, the MLS soccer pool is starting to diversify, you know, you're going to need someone who's going to be that face. Like we, you see it in the basketball, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, we knew who the faces was. MJ, you knew who the face was. Can you out and out tell me right now who's the face of MLS? We just don't have that that ultimate superstar. You got stars on teams. You know, mm-hmm. they may touch some people, but who is your out and out star? And I, I'm, and they may they may know a couple of U.S. national team players, and that's no slight to them, but we just need that face. Like, Zotlon was here for a while. People knew him. He brought a craze. When Beckham came, we knew who the face was. You see what I'm saying? We knew. But mm-hmm. who's going to be that new face that's just going to take us over the top? You know, when Kaka came, it was buzzing around Kaka. We, everybody knew who he was, da 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 But now who's going to be that new face? Who's going to take us over the top that's going to constantly get us viewership? Yeah, we should have had you on the last episode, man. You yeah. touched on a bunch of stuff we talked about the whole on, marketing on our last right episode. There. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, I'm going to have to pack I talk that. about this stuff all day. <laughs> yeah, you got L excited. Uh, yeah, I can talk about the, this all day. Who is the marketing? Uh, who, Carlos Vela right now? I mean, if you want the Mexican... American population. He's got, he's got it on lock. And like they said, yeah. they've seen, they've seen uh, jersey sales fly through the roof and they've seen the level of engagement, but it's only in L.A. He, yeah. he gets it per city that they go to, and I've experienced that with playing with Marco Fabian. I've seen I've seen the Mexican or Latino population pop up in stadiums they never popped up in. You yeah. know, and, and I ain't seen that since Blanco. When, when I was a Chicago Fire fan, just because I was from Indianapolis, you know, he had Chicago on lock. You, you knew you yeah. had Hispanic and, and Spanish. Yeah, yeah. He had the keys to the city. But you know what I mean? Like, but but besides that, then what? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's dry. It's bad for that. Yeah. I don't so, know. Yeah, one of yeah, one of our questions um on the last episode was who do you think can be that I don't want to even put him on like on the LeBron level, but who who can be that Freddie Adu of American soccer? Like who do you think has potential? To kind of take that take that throne. That's for El. So like that's like last week we was discussing like or the week before my bad. Um, are they going to be in MLS or are they going to be in, like an overseas? Like what's that look like? So, are you talking about MLS like or just American um, soccer in general? Well, American soccer in general, but I, I feel like they probably have to play in the MLS because it's something. But like but with you know Premier League being shown over here, you you, you can see other leagues um, mm-hmm. from the country, but. I guess it's a. I don't know. I mean, I I can't I can say MLS, but I think our biggest stars will probably be playing in Europe already. But for when sure. they, when they... I think that, I think that's why. Like you, you look at Brandon Aronson. Like I watch his trajectory just from like a uh, a marketing standpoint, or just from like the outside looking in, like going for a couple thousand followers to 20 some thousand followers. And then, you know, uh, getting a label, the Medford Messi, cause that's a town in New Jersey where he's from. And then, you know, seeing him grow leaps and bounds, like, you know, uh, 
I think it's going to be tough for them to do that just essentially because the, the model is now, you look at Alfonso Davies, you look at Brandon Aronson, uh, uh, I think his name is Caden Clark uh, on New York Red Bull now. These 17-year-olds, they make this splash real quick. These teams are trying to snatch them up so they can develop them quicker. I think that eventually in the future, MLS is going to be close to uh, the likes of a, a Bundesliga or EPL where uh, people are going to be wanting to come to MLS. But in, in, in or players are going to want to be uh, staying in their market and be like, you know what, I can know I can make this type of money still at the same time, but also I'm playing at a high level. I think it's going to be a while for that. Uh, but I just mentioned a couple a couple of people that could be that that person for for the future. Uh, the young man off of New York Red Bull, but I feel like we got a lot of homegrowns too at the Union. Like I said, this this, this young man Mark McKenzie. Uh, I mean, he's a center back, but he he's lighting it up. Uh, on offense and on defense, and like I said, he's not even a not even a right-footed player, and he can hit the ball 60 yards, and he's on a lot of people's radar. Uh, but we need we, you also need a personality. Like when we were when we were coming Thank up, uh, Dom Dwyer was kind of that personality too. I mean, he he may not have been the most household name, but he would do stuff like he's doing like the flips and stuff, flips, taking Thank stuff, you. You know, exactly, Ocho Cinco type stuff. You know what I mean? Like let me yeah. get the phone, let me take the photo. You, you haven't really gotten that guy since a, a Kai Kamara, a Dom Dwyer, who were who was a a, a personality, Dom Oduro. Or legit, Sebastian. Yeah, or Sebastian Latou, you know what I mean? Like, you, you still need somebody going to be that personality in the league, like, for, for a time. Like, we, we had a group of dudes that was called the Bash Brothers. They would just, like, try to bully you out in San Jose, but they were personality, you know? So, uh, so – so Ray, marketing expert, like so, I'm looking at uh, B. Aronson's um, Instagram right now, and great guy. I met him last year. Great kid, but like, I'm not trying to see just soccer posts and pics of his girlfriend. So, how does he get that personality out? You know, I think I think he will. I think he will uh, in the future. I think that like uh, with anything, he's a humble dude, and he was just focused on trying to stay grounded with everything being thrown at him. You got to realize, too, at the same time, everybody's different, too. And I said right now, and I said when you stay true to yourself and from a marketing standpoint, people resonate with you uh, when they realize that's who you are, too. You know, when you start doing things, too, that's not necessarily you, uh, that starts to, to throw people a little bit off. But you got to realize, too, it's the component of how old you are, too. It's a lot. Been, it was a lot thrown at him. Him going from, from USL to not even being on the first team. And I told him, I told him this, you can ask him. I said, man, it happens like this when you can get an opportunity and when you get it, take it to not necessarily being featured to being featured. Then your first start ever, you score in Atlanta. Then now, Away, you, yeah. now you buzzing to now, wait a minute, Ray. Now everybody wanted to talk to me where he he's a, he's a chill dude. He just likes to chill. He likes to chop it up and just he, play soccer. Yeah, he just likes to play soccer. He's down to earth. You know, him and his brother, his family, they're real nice people. And then all this is being thrown at you in a year and a half span. Now you're being sold. It's a lot to handle. And you and you trying to do school too. You know, I think he was just trying – he's trying to keep his profile and, and stay and do what's right. Uh, that That's my expertise about Brendan. He he just loves soccer. Like, he's not, he's not one for the socials, and you're going to find people like that too. Like uh, – he just want to ball out, and he likes soccer. He loves soccer. Man. He can talk about soccer all day, and that's just where so, he's at. That's perfect. And if you love soccer and don't want to talk about anything else, that's great. But there's a way you could package that in your personality 
on social. Obviously, like you said, everything came fast and he wants to focus on the field. But moving forward, I think there's a way he could package that, um, show his personality, almost like kind of the Kawhi, Kawhi method. Like, yo, I'm not here for all that other stuff. Like, I'm on the field. Yeah, for sure. So, Fun guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, think uh, it's I think it's definitely going to come with him because uh, he, he's picking up German already very quickly. Like, they've okay. had some messaging. I think it's going to come. I think he just was focused on everything uh, in yeah. here uh, for him. Cause like you, you see that, like uh, even with Weston McKinney, like he wasn't, he wasn't really, you know, this person, but now he's more outgoing. Yeah. And, yeah his platform has changed. And now you're seeing like, also as you get older, not necessarily your personality change, but your thought process. What I was thinking about when I was 14, I was watching rocket power. I was watching, <laughs> it's not what I'm on now. So like, yeah. as you go, you develop and, and your personality begins to, to, to show itself, not only on social media, but just even in your football. So I said, you, you'll see, you'll see more from him. I think. No facts. Yeah. He, he's pretty funny. Like low key, like y'all was saying, like he loves his comedies. He loves me. him. You talking about like, Ricky Bobby. He loves all that stuff. So like, I, I'm surprised he knows as much as he does. Yeah. yeah I think the spectrum I'm, I'm 30, he's 19. He's like, Oh, my dad, me and my dad watch this movie. You know, yeah. you know about this movie. I'm like, yeah, bro. Hey, I've been before you've been living, you know, movie, movie review Mondays. Now we know he likes movies. Perfect. You got to do it. Netflix. And <laughs> another factor that I would say, um, is, Adidas, Under Armour, Nike, they're all dropping the ball in the U.S. market. Like, with Adidas having the league, I know it's not a U.S.-based company or, or a U.S., you know, grounded company like Nike is. Um, but taking these, like, they could have took, I, I don't know who Brandon Aronson is signed with, um, but taking them while they're bubbling here in the States, taking riding that momentum, you know, putting some money behind them, commercials, stuff like that, kind of getting them out, out in the out on tv a little bit more you know like i think i think that's that's another thing that's kind of lacking here especially in mls like those players aren't getting that marketing push and i don't know if that's something with their team um with the players personal team around them like not not you know pitching them to the right opportunities or what but i think that's another thing that could really help catapult one of these guys um to the forefront um when it comes to you know an american soccer player be having that star power or, or rising to that level. I, I think you're exactly right. I just think, I think uh, timing's everything. I think that they definitely have tried to do that, especially centering around the vote and especially around social injustice. I think that they did it in specified markets with certain players, just because I've just because I've seen it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with various people who have Puma or Nike, Adidas, you know, and then some of these companies too. Like I said, uh, they're. Uh, they're such in a high stature they don't want to drop the ball about their messaging too and i think this time this time literally uh i think it was such a sensitive time that they were trying to make sure they did everything right and with COVID, i think COVID's crippled a lot of that stuff but you got to be creative like you said uh in-house marketing one company that does great at that and i ain't saying that just because we black is popeyes Popeyes maximizes the, the the their profits by using they number one they tag the person. You seen the commercials where the guy sings or you see the video of that old man talking about mm, this is so good. I mean that's that's all organic, low budget marketing, but we all can resonate with them. Like yo, that sound is fire or that man talking about Popeyes. And then essentially the most that they do is they tag the person who posted the video. So number one they're giving them credit, but 
You know, it's all about how how you make the most of your marketing. I think a lot of times these these companies want to do these high budget, you know, thriller kind of commercial or tidbits that try to engage you. But sometimes it's it's the small thing, and like you said, you just have to find the means of doing it. I definitely think that they could have done more in marketing some of these players or even this next wave, especially leading up to the World Cup. You might see more of it leading up to the World Cup uh, in that space in time where they feel like they're going to get a greater level of engagement. But I, I'm with you with that. Yeah, leading up to the World Cup, Nike needs to put money behind Pulisic. Uh, Adidas needs to put money behind uh, what's your boy Weston McKinney. Like they need to blow these dudes up, man. Because I feel like that can this. I feel like this generation, this team that we have right now, can be the one that kind of like tips it off and like really sets us off with a, for, with a really good run from it for the national team. For yeah. sure. So they just got to put the bread behind them. Gotta pay to play. That's what it is. <laughs> Except when it comes yeah. to youth sports. You gotta, not 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 that, but <laughs> when it comes to marketing, yep. For sure. So uh got a couple of other miscellaneous topics. Before I get into that though, I wanna say shout out to Amobi for making that Forbes thirty for thirty list. Oh it's yes, huge. You know, for for <laughs> athlete putting it That's on the fair. map. So shout out to you, man. Give you your flowers. Nah, man, good looks. It's all love. It's all love. Yeah, them, them big, big audacious goals coming, coming to life, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, we just got to keep pushing. So, hopefully, you know, we can get some love on Two Cents, love on Frugal Athlete, love on Ray's projects. You know, everyone's doing some great things. So, uh, like sure. Ray said earlier, people supporting people, let's empower each other and, you know, keep it pushing. Yeah, no doubt. All right. And also, um, we want to give a special rest in peace to Diego Maradona, who passed recently. Um He's, he's impacted the game tremendously, whether on the field or off the field. Um, so what, what are some of you guys' like, I guess, best Maradona moments, if you have any? I mean, for, for, for me, it was getting that first VHS where you learn how to do all the moves or the World Cup's greatest goals, and you seeing this man dribble the length of the field, put Argentina on his back. You know, falling as he scores. Obviously, the hand—they call it the hand of God. You know, seeing those, and even even now in his latter, you know, seeing how much passion he would he would have when Boca Juniors would play, or you know, him screaming. You know, for him to be that old, and so many people still love him. Those are memorable moments as well. Yeah, like for me, just understanding, like you know, hearing my dad talk about him because. You know, we growing up, I haven't like, oh, that's my favorite player. He's like, oh, he's not touching Maradona or Maradona would have done. <laughs> so understanding like the importance he had on that generation, obviously his passion, you know, not only like he's he's a saint in Argentina, he's a saint in Napoli, Boca Juniors, they got a whole box for him. Understanding that, uh, it's just amazing to see. And I uh, also want to take this time, RIP to Papa Diop, uh, Senegal legend, uh, took mm -hmm. him to the World Cup. And uh, when they surprised a bunch of teams, so uh, someone else that's also a saint in Senegal. So you know, the importance of soccer as a sport, you know, these these icons, you know, they're more to life figures. So definitely rest in peace and respect to the impact they've had on multiple people. Have you all seen the documentary on HBO on uh, Maradona? Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't yeah. had a chance to watch yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you got to tap in, man. Game changer. Definitely don't get that sure. one. Speaking of impact, uh, kind of a segue, uh, the Montreal Impact are oh. allegedly changing their name to Montreal FC. So 
What are your reaction to that? Like, how you feel about that? Uh, well, I, why? Why? Why are they doing that? Is it like I, don't, I feel like there's just no need? Um, Montreal is cool in the sense they had like real culture. I don't. I don't want to say other teams didn't have culture, but you know, French speaking, you know, province uh, fans are fan bases like really good on occasion. Um, definitely they have Italian ties with the ownership and connection with uh, Bologna. Uh, and then the history of Montreal Impact, that's like a team that's been around for quite some time. Uh, I don't think there's a reason to change it to Montreal FC, uh, but I'm not part of that staff, so, you know. From a marketing perspective, right? I don't want you to get in trouble with the league. You know? Nah, man, <laughs> you ain't going to get in trouble. I just think, I just think that, like what Moby said, uh, I, I think I think they should have kept it as it is, just from the history standpoint. And then, I mean, you, you you're seeing a lot of rebranding of the old MLS face. You look at Houston, you know, Houston's emblem, new emblem, is still growing on me. And they renamed and, and redid their whole, you know, logo. And, and they tried to do it beforehand too. And I just think that they're just trying to, you know, refresh things and keep things new. I mean, I would have kept Impact uh, Montreal Impact the same. I mean, I think that. Uh, essentially was a founding club like uh, of history of, of Canadian soccer, a well-known club. Like, you know, it might confuse people a little bit uh, with Montreal FC, you know, um, but they should have kept it for me, you know. But I don't know, yeah. this might be tied with, with Thierry, a new, a new day and age, you know. <laughs> they might be tying all of this in together. So who knows, so. Yeah, I, I don't know the reason for the rebrand, but I feel like it's just super generic in this – it's a little too uh what's the word? I don't, I don't want to say basic, but it's too it's too too easy, you know? Yeah. Like they they could have they could have come with something better. Like I've seen like on Twitter um like Olympic Montreal is going around. Yeah, that was like, a, a you know, vibe. like it ties into the French the French culture as well as um their Olympic history, you know what the I'm saying? Like, I think that would have been that would have been perfect. Yeah. So that I think that would have been a perfect if they went to rebrand like something like that. I feel like would have been a little bit more better suited than just a generic, you know, city with FC or FC with the city actor, you know? Right. Well, I mean, that name might've been taken too. So we, we, <laughs> we, don't, know. we don't know with the patents and stuff. Yeah. These are all things to really think about, you know, but they, they definitely sound better than Montreal FC. So, well, I mean, they probably got some money to buy it off them though. So. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, so, so speaking of that, speaking of teams rebranding, um, and then we also talked on, talked about ownership earlier in the show. Um, we're starting to see a lot more U.S. based ownership over in Europe, or especially the, the lower league European teams. I know every time this comes up, we try to like touch on it on the show, so we kind of like got a U.S. investor watch when it comes to Europe. Yeah. Um, so recently, Tampa Bay Rays owner Randy Frankel um, bought. Uh, AS Nancy Lorraine is in the French second division for 11 million. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, what do you guys thought? How do you guys feel about this? What are your thoughts on it? Um, I know, Moby, you touched on it a lot uh, over our past episodes, but Ray, let me get, I want to get your thoughts on um, just like the overall U.S. investment over in uh, Europe from a team perspective versus it not necessarily happening much here. Uh, I, I think I think it's a future move. I think that uh, in the future you may see, uh, just like you touched on this, this may be a team that if, if Tampa Bay gets a team, now this is the big brother team. 
you know, or a pipeline where players who may not be playing for that franchise, they, they may be able to come over stateside and play here on a year alone. I say everything's done with the intention of having some other type of intention. That's something that I really gathered from like owners. Not only that, uh, it's the end game. You know, the Tampa Bay Rays, it, it may be a financial move for him. You know, uh, Tampa Bay Rays don't get that many fans. Uh, you know, I think it's at Suncast, uh Stadium. I believe that's the name of the stadium. You know, I enjoy watching all sports, but this may this may be able to offset some of that that financial burden that's going on down in Tampa Bay for himself. No, I'm not the owner. I'm just speaking out loud. Um, but also at the same time, this is allowing him. The Tampa Bay's putting the bid a couple of times to to get it to get a new franchise. This may be his hand of learning uh, what it's going to take, how to build a team, understanding the process to ultimately get them there. Uh, or to get, you know, legislation to approve it and MLS to finally say, Tampa Bay, you've been awarded a franchise. And then because of his body of work, he can say, well, I dealt with X, Y, and Z. I know how to build a team. I know how to manage a franchise. Uh, the times that you didn't give it to me in the past, now you may give it to me. I mean, it, it may be strategic. I think that also uh, it's essentially uh, another play into this. Just like you're starting to see the NFL go play over, uh, in England, and you're starting to see these English English fans say, "Oh, I support the Miami Dolphins," or "I I support so and so." This is a play to to really try to build that brand of baseball too for himself, or uh, do the the cross cultural marketing. You know, like baseball is not that big over there. It's about cricket. It's about you know, or it's about mm-hmm. other games in Europe. You know, I know it's in Italy. You know, uh, he may be trying to build a presence there. Uh, to to bring more insight to his American based uh, uh, businesses or, or ventures that he has here too, uh, just because I've I've seen it, you know, I've seen a lot of franchises start to do that too. So I mean, that's that's my take on it. But I also think that uh, we touched on this a little bit before about Jay Z uh, with AC Milan and Rock Nation. Um, soccer is booming right now. It's booming, although it's not booming right now in, in the U.S. Man, it, it's it's so much wealth in soccer and just different facets, you know. Not even from the game side, from just like the profitability side, from like merchandising, from notoriety, being tied to the game. Soccer's booming right now. Uh, everybody's seeing financial struggles across the board uh, in the athletic department, but just in, in the world in general. But soccer is booming right now. This is the time to tap into these type of things where they need the money. Let, let me buy in right now where it's on the low low. Hey, <laughs> that's also a play in it too. And then and then looking to sell it for the end game. Let's say they get promoted. You know what I mean? The first division. And then eleven mil now, oh, now they're worth uh the hundred thousand a hundred hundred mil or whatever. You see that all the time. Uh you look at the Clippers franchise. They were they weren't worth a lot and, and I mean they had to sell it for for, for various reasons, but the Clippers franchise is crazy now. I was looking at, I can't think of the number. It was like, yo, this is not what the Clippers was worth <laughs> when they was bought. So Steve it, Ballmer. Right. It's, a, it's an in-game possibly too for all of this as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You got anything about that, Moby? Nah, I mean, just being able to get in and own a team for 11 million compared to the 300 million for MLS, obviously, uh, I would love to see him just put 11 mil into the USL squad out there. And then, you know, you can do some things with that. Um, sure. Maybe build that up, build out the community, build out the culture, you know, create like a factory of players that either you sell them on to MLS, you sell them to Europe. Um, but like Ray said, there's other strategic reasons why he has 
you know, invested in the second division. You know, once they get promoted, that's automatically return on investment. If they get up to Champions League, um, definitely, you know, 2x, 3x, 5x is investment. So there's other strategic reasons. And obviously, you know, a trip to go see your team in France, you know, every now and then is not uh, not a bad life to live. So, um, but you would love to see American investors invest in American teams. But until, you know, the cap's kind of open, um, there's going to still be business people trying to be business people when it comes to sports business. For sure, for sure. That's it for this week, man. Oh, we got one thing. We got one thing. I know. Uh, um, oh, we got one more. Yeah, yeah. Ray, Ray got a connection. Obviously, uh, Toronto's coach, Greg Vanny, someone you know on a personal oh, yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's leaving Toronto. Just uh, decided to leave at the end of the season. I tweeted that uh, it should be announced that he's going to go to LA Galaxy by the end of the week. Some people thought I was like, like had an official source. I don't have an official source. That's just what I would do if I was the LA GM and I was smart because he went to UCLA, he played for Galaxy, and he's a good-ass coach. So anyone listening or saw my tweet, that's not an official source. Just <laughs> I just made that assumption. I also also seen that as well, uh, publicized other places. I mean, he did he did attend UCLA, and like I said, I think he was at uh, Galaxy for seven seasons. So, I mean, uh, uh, MLS needs LA Galaxy to be at the forefront, and they need a resurgence. Uh, fortunately, I, I think other clubs like to see him not do as well, uh, just because yeah. of history. But they they need to be at the the forefront of the league, and. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, we know you ain't going to DC, uh, <laughs> maybe you know. Chris Atlanta looking for a coach too. Oh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think he go to Atlanta. I don't think he. Nah, nah, you going yeah, to? Nah, we, we got to go South there. America. Who who coming into Toronto? Because I heard Ben Olsen might be considered for the job. And no disrespect to Ben Olsen, but that might. Yeah, that's, that's a little different. I, Can we know. get some fresh faces though? I mean. This is just like just like the NFL, like revolving door coaches, yeah. man. Like, well, that's a, that's a different topic for a different day. We we we'll talk about <laughs> suppression. Uh, but I'll touch on it briefly. But like, okay, if you got a if you got a good coach who's coming out of college who's not on a scholarship, you know, for to to get your C license now is is it's one thousand dollars. To get your B license is three thousand. To get your A is ten thousand. To get your pro, which is now the highest, it used to only be A. That's another ten thousand. That person coming out of school or trying to come through the ranks, plus pay back the loans, plus pay for housing, plus pay for food, plus pay if you got a child. That's 24K before you even get into it if you haven't already been in a space where your club's going to pay for you or a former player. There's some good coaches out here uh, in the USL level that can be in the MLS. There's some good assistants who just haven't necessarily got their name called yet. Uh I call it coaches suppression. You know, um, there's a lot of loopholes that people don't know that you need or credentials you need to be in these spaces to be these coaches. And then when you know that you need them, sometimes you don't necessarily have the financial uh, means to be a coach. It's not that you can't coach, but you need these credentials. You need you need that verification. Right. So then, then once you get that verification, somebody who does already have it, they may be appointed to the position. And then at the same time, uh, you see this in any sport. When a coach comes in, he brings people who he's what, familiar with. He trusts, yeah. Right. So you don't see that. You don't see that. Uh, 
that revolving door, new faces in here uh, as much in the U.S. It's only like that in soccer. You'll see transition in basketball. You see it in NFL. You know, people get the opportunity. But soccer, you need so much uh, certification. You need so that's many. Crazy. So that's just a tidbit, a quick tidbit. No, that's a good point you made. It's going to start getting me mad because they're going to start doing it where you need a, a, a certi- certification just to be a GM and just like just finding ways to keep people in their positions. And like you said, uh, you come out of school, you're trying to be a coach. Not only do you got to pay that, then you got to wait for your opportunity. Um, I couldn't be a coach. The only coach, the only coaching I'm doing is my kids like youth teams. Because uh, after, <laughs> after being a pro for so long, and trying to move around, you got to wait. Nah, you might get fired. Like, nah, I'm not doing all that. But you already you already seen this uh, with Rich Paul because Rich Paul started to control the market. Look it up. So yeah. now they tried to put stipulations on him about being an agent. So I said, you see, you see this, how the game works. And uh, that's a different story for a different day, but I'm just... <laughs> but we've had these conversations before offline too, right? So, you know, don't get me started. Yeah, you're right. So, we're going to wait. We're going to have to bring you back, you know. Yeah, we're going to bring you so, back. We're going to circle back on that one. <laughs> Yes, sir. Nah, but Ray, yo, good looks are coming on, man. I know you're busy off season. Uh, where can the people find you if they want to connect? I know you got you do your you know offline devotionals from time to time. I know you got you know your marketing stuff that you do on the side, stealth mode. Uh, where can people connect with you if they want to link? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, someone tell you are ill. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, much love to two sets. You know, football athlete again. Uh, J Lab for hooking up, hooking up the podcast, man. Uh, Mike's as well, but you can you can find me on social media uh, at Ray Gaddis, just simply at Ray Gaddis. Uh, be on the lookout for Gaddis guidance uh, coming soon. Uh, just different, just different spaces uh, where we can uh, help guide you uh, to better things. I need I need that Ray Gaddis devotional yearly yearly plan, please. Oh, uh, for sure, man. Uh, it, it, we hopefully gonna get that in the works uh, if it's the Lord's will in 2021 or in the future. I just want to say big ups to you guys uh, for all that you're doing. Uh, this is a great podcast as well. Great show. Nah, respect, Appreciate man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, so that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Thanks again to Ray Gaddis, one of my best friends in the soccer game. Great podcast. You guys are going to enjoy that. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at two cents As you can see, I'm finally rocking the gear. I got the, hat. I got the merch, I got the apparel. I'm good. Winter season's approaching. Protect your hoodies. Um, it helps support the show. Uh, tweet us your comments on the show and or any topics you want me or L to discuss. As you guys know, every Friday, unfiltered thoughts on soccer. Peace out, y'all. Peace. Peace.